Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. A question that I hear regularly in my practice is, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? Partners often wonder about the ways that they interact and they wonder how they find themselves in certain roles with one another or constantly being the person who does more of this or the person who receives more of that. And it can be a hotbed of resentment when it goes unexplored and unexamined. So today I've invited Dr. Betty Martin on my podcast and Betty is just a a wellspring of information. She's had her hands on people professionally for over 40 years, first as a chiropractor and then as a certified surrogate partner, sacred intimate and somatic sex educator. Dr. Martin's explorations in somatic or body-based therapies and practices informed her creation of the framework, The Wheel of Consent. And her most recent book is called The Art of Receiving and Giving, The Wheel of Consent. Dr. Martin, thanks so much for being here today and for talking about the directionality with which we give and receive. I'm excited for you to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. How did you come to conceptualize this framework and find it to be necessary? By accident, actually. <laughs> How so? I, um, in my mid-40s, early 50s, I was attending a bunch of workshops with the Body Electric School. And one of those um, was a workshop on using BDSM practices for self-awareness and empowerment. And in that workshop, we played a game called the three-minute game. And the three-minute game is two people ask each other these two questions. And then you, when you make an agreement, then you do whatever it is. And the two questions are, what do you want me to do to you for three minutes? Well, <laughs> I can think of some fun things. And the other question is, what do you want to do to me for three minutes? And, and then you negotiate, you make an agreement, and you go ahead and do it for three minutes. And with two people and two questions, that means there's four rounds are going to happen. And it was pretty immediately obvious that, well, it's easy to tell who's doing, like maybe I have my hand on your back or whatever you've asked, but it's not so easy to tell who it's for. So you can ask me to touch your back and I'm doing the thing that you want, or I can ask you for permission to touch your back the way I want, which is going to be a very different experience for both of us. And so when we played this game in the workshop, it was just loads of fun. And then I took it home and started using it with my clients who I was doing um, sex coaching at the time. And so I would ask people, how do you want me to touch you? And how do you want to touch me? And I thought, oh, well, this will just be a 
a segue from the talking history taking part of the session into any touch that was going to happen. And what I found really surprised me. And that is that when you ask people what they want, they often don't know. Or they think, well, you should know. Or, well, you can do whatever you want. Or, I don't know, no one has ever asked me that. Or, well, you could such and such, I guess. And it was, it was quite difficult for people to actually say, oh, well, you scratch my head in this way. So um, that was kind of an aha for me. And, I, and, and because it was difficult for people, of course, then that's fruitful for people to do an experiment with. So then I, we just kept experimenting with it with clients. And uh, later, I, I, the what do you want me to do to you was just too big of a question. So I narrowed it down to how do you want me to touch you? And how do you want to touch me? Um, and uh, that's the way I use it mostly now. But you could play it either way. And so, yeah, I just noticed, wait a minute, this, this two different factors here. One is who's doing and the other is who it's for. And they, they cross like it's a matrix. So they cross. And, uh, and my little engineer's brain went, oh, that's cool. And so, so I tried to explain it to everybody and their eyes would kind of glaze over. <laughs> and, uh, but um, as I started sharing it, I found out that it was actually useful for people. It's very useful. And I think for a lot of people, it really comes into focus when they see it visually. And so to mm -hmm. that end, you've created a visual depiction of mm -hmm. the wheel of consent that looks a bit like an X and a Y axis mm -hmm. with a circle yeah. around it. And mm -hmm. maybe we can talk a little bit about those directions and what it sort of means to be in each of the quadrants that mm -hmm. are created. How long do we have? A few days? <laughs> <laughs> we can go over the Cliff's Notes version. People can yeah. read your book if they the, want the this details. Would be definitely the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> well, you can you can divide it up in any of those interactions from those two questions. You can divide it up in by who's doing and who's being done to. So if you're in the doing half, then you're either doing what they want or you're doing what you want very different experience. And when you're being done to, it's also they're doing what you want or they're doing what they want and you are allowing them to do that. So when you're in the doing for the other person, so maybe you've asked for a back rub and I'm giving you a back rub. I'm doing for you. Um, most people call that giving. But what I realized is that there's a couple of different ways to give. And so I needed a new word. So I call that serving. You can call it giving, but I call it serving. And in serving, I'm doing my best to do what you have asked for, which means that I need to find out what you want or I can't give it to you. So this is where the, the communication part comes in. Um, so that's one quadrant. And the other, and, and the other, the partner to that one is accepting. So you have asked me, will you rub my back? I'm rubbing your back. You are in the accepting quadrant. Again, most people would call that receiving, but 
as you'll see in a minute, there's more than one way to receive. So, right. um, so then you get to have it just the way you want it. You could say, no, lighter here, move over there, go deeper, go slower, whatever you want, because it's about you. So you put your preferences first. So that's those two. The other mm -hmm. two, which is created by the question, how do you want to touch me, is where most people would get lost. Mm. Because we, we kind of have welded together in our heads, if I'm doing, it's automatically for you. And that's the right way to give. And um, so that's doing and giving are kind of welded in our minds. But when you ask me, how do you want to touch me? And I say, well, I would like to play with your hair. Then you get to decide, well, is this something that I'm willing to allow them to do? And so I'm playing with your hair and enjoying the feel of it and the texture of it. And, and it's not for you, it's for me. You are giving me this gift of allowing me to play with your hair. You're, you're giving me the gift of access to you. Mm. Or maybe mm -hmm. I want to explore your feet or feel your arms or something. And so then on the other side of that is where you're in the, which I, that, the quadrant where I'm doing what I want, I call it taking, mm. which a lot of people have problems with that word um, but it's not stealing, it's receiving a gift, and that gift is access to you. So the other side of that one is allowing. So I've asked you, may I play with your hair? You said, yes, you're going to allow me to do that. So you are in the allowing quadrant. And the allowing quadrant can be um, challenging if you don't know how to say no or stop. It can also be really enjoyable um, because there's nothing to do, and it you know the and the taker's hands are often quite um, attentive and relaxed. Um, so allowing can be very pleasant. It can be kind of ho hum or you know it varies, but it doesn't matter because it's not about you. It's for me, and so. You're allowing yourself to be basically felt up in some way that you have agreed is okay with you. Yeah. And it's up to me as the taker to respect those limits and boundaries that you have set. Now, I imagine that some of the critique you might receive with this model is that someone could misinterpret this taking and allowing dimension sure. to be some sort of professionally sanctioned permission script for coercive behaviors. So can we break down why that's yeah. not the case? Yeah, well, you can coerce somebody into just about anything. Right. You could coerce somebody into allowing you to do what you want to do. You could also coerce somebody into doing something that you want. But that's not a gift. Um, with the with the the, the wheel of consent in each quadrant, there's a gift in each dynamic. There's a gift that's being asked for and a gift that's being received and a gift that's being given. And a gift 
by definition is something that, that I, I'm happy to give and I'm a yes to and yeah, you help yourself. Um, if it if it's not that, it's it's not a gift. It's something else. It's stealing or coercing or using or taking advantage of someone. And that is not what we're talking about. Right. This is for people who are in some kind of interaction with each other, whether it's romantic or sexual or emotional, and they're both there in good faith. And there's Mm -hmm. an acknowledgement of everyone's needs having equity, even when at one time or another, someone's needs may be placed in the priority seat. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, The wheel of consent is, is first a practice. And by practice, I don't mean that you practice it so you get better at it. I mean, it's a practice, like yoga's a practice or meditation's a practice or something. That it's something that you, it's a practice for two or more people. It's something that you come back to again and again. And each time you come back to it, there's something new to learn there about yourself. And it's a practice in taking, receiving, and giving apart. So that when it's my turn to receive, it's all about me, baby. I'm putting my desires first. I respect your boundaries, of course, but my desires are first. And when I'm, when it's my turn to give, then I take my desires and I put them on the shelf temporarily and go with what you want. Again, if it's within my boundaries and limits, I'm either completely giving or I'm completely receiving. It's a practice in in taking them apart so that they're not getting mixed up together. And that is challenging because it's not necessarily very, it's kind of counterintuitive. But what you get out of it is that, first of all, you find out what, what giving and receiving actually are. Because you may think you're you may be trying to receive some kind of gift, but you're, if, if you're also trying to give something back, there, there's, just, there's, a, there's something that can't happen there because receiving is emotionally vulnerable by its very nature. And so if I want to avoid that vulnerability, I just give, 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 give. And then I don't have to be feel like I'm receiving because that carries all kinds of meanings that we attach to it. It does. So it's a practice in taking the two apart. It's not something that you want to do all the time. Thankfully, you don't live your life playing tit for tat. You, um, but in the practice, maybe you set aside, okay, let's take an hour tonight and do the practice or let's play the game. And then you use a clock and you're very kind of strict about, okay, who it's for. And then you close that practice and you go back to your daily life. And whatever you learned in that practice, then you take with you, of course. But it's not, I'm not suggesting that you spend your whole life deciding in every interaction it's, it's for somebody or the other. Yeah, I also think that that doing so creates kind of an us or a, a me, you, us, them dynamic where people are taking inventory of every behavior and that can quickly create a lot of friction and sure. um, yeah. discontent for partners. Yeah. 
But, but I do think it's an important practice and framework to consider in terms of really balancing how you play and mm-hmm. how you work together as partners or friends or mm-hmm. colleagues, not that you're engaging in sex with colleagues, but this, this lens goes beyond the sexual. So maybe we can oh, yeah. take a little Absolutely. bit of time and talk about that. How does yeah. the wheel of consent apply in non-sexual, non-romantic relationships? That's a great question. Um, may I borrow your truck? That's a favor that I'm asking. Uh, Would you like to come pick some peaches from the tree in my yard? That's an offer. Um, Will you take me to the airport? Um, I I hear that kids tell me that you've been sick. I'm bringing over a pot of soup. There are many ways that we do each other favors that have nothing to do with sex and intimacy. Thank goodness. It would be a very sad world if we didn't. Um, in fact, when when people are first starting to play this play this three minute game and and play with the wheel, it's much easier to learn. And I encourage people to learn. I talk about this in the book. Um, it's much easier to learn if you're not bringing sex in. So I encourage people to if even if you are a couple keep your clothes on, play in the living room, not the bedroom, so that, um, uh, because you're, you're, you're building whole new brain pathways, and it's very difficult to do that when you're turned on because your habits are too strong. So I encourage people to learn it and experiment with it without the sexual invitation, yeah. Let's break this down a little bit. How can partners, let's assume romantic partners in this context, get started in reframing the way they they serve and accept or take and allow with each other? And what would be some reasons why they would want to introduce this into the, the paradigm of their relationship? Oh, that's a great question. Well, it's just a lot more fun. it's just just a lot more fun and it will clarify dynamics that may have been difficult um so get again getting back to the fact that it's a practice you you know well how you start you say hey baby you want to play the three minute game and they say yeah and you say okay what do you want me to do to you for three minutes and then you're off and running um, and based on that, so you asked me, what do you want me to do to you for three minutes? And I'm pondering, oh my gosh, I don't know. Da, da, da. Right away, I've learned something about myself. I've learned that it's hard to ask, or I don't know, or there's this thing that I want to ask for, but I'm afraid to because blah, blah, blah. So there's learning right away. And then maybe I do ask, oh, will you scratch my head? And then, so you're scratching my head, and then I realize I don't really want that, but I'm afraid to say stop because then they'll think I'm changing my mind or blah, 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 blah. And then all that other stuff comes up. So then there's something else to learn about yourself. And then you see this pattern that's happening when you're playing that three-minute game, and you suddenly you go, oh, my gosh, I do that in my life too. 
oh no, like, shit, you know, here's this thing that I, and now I see it clearly. And I have an experience of changing it. I have an experience of, oh, I did ask for what I want and it worked. And it felt great. Oh my gosh, that's a whole new experience. And so then you, you, you learn your body, you learn that somatically and you just realize, oh my gosh, this actually works. I can get something that I want. Um, so there's a learning, learning, learning. And say, for example, your partner asks you, will you rub my back? Uh, and then you have a opportunity to notice, hmm, is this something that I'm happy to give? Is this something I can give with a full heart? And you think, well, no, but I better say yes anyway, because blah, 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 blah. And I think we've all been there. I've certainly been there. Mm -hmm. And so then you're doing it anyway, and you really don't want to, or you think it's a dumb thing to ask for, but you're going to do it anyway. And now your back's hurting because you're turned around the wrong way and blah, blah, you know, all this stuff. So you get a great opportunity to see those patterns in yourself where you don't say no when you wish you could have said no. You don't set a limit. You give more than you, you give more than was asked for. Or you think, well, they asked for their back, but they really want their butt. So I'm going to include their butt, you know. So you get to see all kinds of your own patterns. And then you see, oh, this is what I've been doing. This is, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And so that's what I say by being a practice. You notice things about yourself and your relationship that you didn't notice before because you've broken it down into this tiny, very fundamental dynamic that is, it, it, it just makes it really hard not to see it when it's just like right there in your face. Um, so, so one reason that couples might want to play with it is because it's fun. And another is that it will uncover dynamics that have been puzzling, but you didn't understand what was going on. Or maybe you think your partner's being selfish and you find out that actually it's just that you can't say no. That's a very different question. It is. And so now it, you know, now you have something different to look at. Yeah. Huh. And play is such a great teacher. Oh, when yeah. When we are open to it. And one of the things that I think is a great opportunity in partnerships is when one or both people are recognizing some of these, what might be called developmental immaturities mm -hmm. or codependent tendencies of overgiving or mm -hmm. um, undergiving. And and looking at this as a way that they can play in a safe space mm -hmm. with each other and learn so much about mm -hmm. where those limits are and what makes it challenging to say yes or to say no yeah. to something yeah. affirmatively. Yeah. But it's also great to think about the application of the this wheel of consent when there are conversations around mismatched libido. Mm -hmm or conversations around mismatched sexual interests, right? One mm -hmm. partner wants to be kinky 
the other partner maybe isn't so sure or knows what their limits are. So I think it gives a lot of opportunity to play in the nuance with each other and to learn about why something feels good or feels like a gift because it's not always about the physical sensations of pleasure, although that can be really important, but sometimes it touches on other aspects of pleasure, which you really bring to light in your book when you talk about three different aspects or domains of Mm -hmm. pleasure, a stimulus, attention, and meaning. So can Mm -hmm. we break those down a little bit? Yeah, this is just came from years of doing sex work and coaching and being with people, I, I, there's one, one, and I'm thinking more in terms of sensate or um, touch tactile pleasure at the, at the moment, although I think it's true of other kinds of pleasure, that the stimulus is where, what's, what is where on my skin, where is it moving, what's the pressure, you know, is it fingernails, is it palm, that's the actual, what the actual touch is. But that's only a small part of what makes something pleasurable. Another, which I'm, I imagine most people have played with, but maybe not thought about, is attention. If uh, and you know, there's the old joke of you know staring at the ceiling and doing your laundry list. You know <laughs> that that when I, uh, you know, I may have your hand stroking my arm, and if I'm wandering, oh, I said, well, yeah, whatever, you know. But when I bring all of my attention there, suddenly, oh, that feels nice. So that's another factor. And the third factor is a context or the meaning. And this makes all the difference. Um, imagine I'm, I'm uh, in the kitchen and my sweetie comes up behind me and tickles my neck and my knees get weak, you know, just feels wonderful. Now imagine I'm on the bus the next day. I have no idea who's behind me. And I feel that very same tickle. Well, the tickle may be exactly the same, but the context is entirely different. And so the experience of it is going to be different. It's not going to feel so pleasant. It's going to be alarming. So, um, so the, the context that I'm in and the meaning that I'm attaching to it is going to make a big difference in how pleasurable something is. And context may be who the person is, what our relationship is, whether I'm mad at them or not, um, what I think it, it conveys, whether, whether I think, oh, that means that they like me, or oh, that means they think I'm sexy, or or, oh, that means they think they own me, or, you know, I can, I can impugn any meaning to any action. Of course I can. That's what we humans do. And so, um, so recognizing that that's a big factor in how pleasant something is. Well, the cool thing about it is that you can play mix and match. So I can... Uh, we can experiment with sensation. You say, you know, tickle me here, scratch me there, poke me there, and let's try to see what we find. Or in in sexual play or intimacy play, if I change the meaning in my head, that's going to change my body experience. Maybe I'm 
fantasizing of some movie star or something, and you know, suddenly now it feels really good. Or maybe we're playing with, okay, you're the pirate and I'm the winch. Oh, now suddenly it feels good, you know. Um, or we've just had a fight and we're trying to make up and now suddenly it feels really different. So you can, you can play with either of those by varying them as you like. So it's kind of a mix and match. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the wheel of consent expands so much beyond the framework of consent because it's, it, it is a conversation about consent, but it's also conversation about consciousness and a conversation about both pleasure and labor equity, right? Mm -hmm. If we're always mm -hmm. giving, mm -hmm. it's hard to receive. If we're always receiving, that labor is unequal mm -hmm. in a relationship. Yeah. I don't know anybody who feels like they're receiving a lot. Most couples, if you ask who's the receive, who's the giver, they'll both say I'm the giver. <laughs> True. <laughs> which, which tells you something about, well, if all this giving's happening, who's actually receiving here? It suggests to me that there's not really much communication about what gifts are happening here. Well, and I think that's really important what you're saying yeah. because so many of us are giving based on a script of who mm -hmm. we think we should be oh, and not yes. really attuning yeah. to yeah. The, the requests or the desires that our partner or the other person yeah. in the relationship might yeah. have. So we're, we're depleting ourselves of energy and focus and missing the mark with our partner. Yeah. And so this is a great tool to use to recalibrate whether or not you're shooting toward a basket or if you're just like shooting into an empty ravine, but your mm -hmm. arch is perfect on the yes, throw. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some practical ways that people can get started, especially if maybe they have a partner or uh, a person in the in the relationship who's either not aware of the wheel of consent or maybe is a little bit less comfortable having these kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. I would just start by asking if you want to. I learned this new game. You want to play? How do you want me to touch you? How do you want to touch me? Here's how it goes. And of course, not everyone is interested in doing something new that they haven't done before. That's also true. And one way that you can you can start the process of getting more clear is by starting to ask for what you want in bite-sized pieces. So things that are just a couple of minutes that are really easy. Will you bring me a cup of tea? Um, will you rub my shoulders and then I'll do yours? Or um, uh, may I feel up your, may I hold your hand? May I feel your hand? May I play with your hair? Will you um, hold me? And by, by starting with asking for what you want, you are taking the vulnerable place instead of asking your partner what they want. When you ask them what they want, now they are in the vulnerable place of having to come up with something. And they may not like that. And they may not be very good at it. So um, if you're yeah. always saying, oh, come on, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. That, I, 
I, I've never seen that work very well. Yeah. No, because even in that communication, that's not about your partner and yeah. what they want. They, the gift of them telling you is yeah. for you and for yeah. your benefit. Yeah. And so even in yeah. bringing the question to someone, it's important to consider what direction is this going and yeah. who is it for? Yeah. 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 Again, it's a practice. Yeah. And um, it's a fun practice. It's a very, it can be very challenging. There'll be a lot of ahas. Um, and uh, if you don't want to start the whole practice, you start by asking for what you want in very small, you know, two and three minute segments that are simple and not, there'll be some things that are easier to ask for than other things. It may be easy to ask for pleasure, but difficult to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Or it may be the other way around. Maybe it's easy to ask for help and difficult to ask for pleasure. So you, you get to start with whatever's relatively easier for you. So how, if at all, do you see gender factoring into how people see themselves in this practice? My experience is that every, every person of every gender needs access to every, each of the four quadrants. So there's no such thing as a feminine gender, I mean a feminine um, quadrant or a masculine quadrant, that doesn't apply. But how you were raised is going to be a big factor in how easy or difficult any particular quadrant is going to be. And part of how you're raised is how you were raised to be your gender. It's also your culture, your, your community, your family, you know, your innate temperament, all kinds of things are going to mm -hmm. be a factor. But one factor is your gender. For example, men, little boys, are often taught that they're supposed to know what to do and they're supposed to be the doers and they better get it right, by golly. Right. And on the one hand, you don't want to be that guy who's the real jerk. On the other hand, you, if you're a real man, you're supposed to get what you want. So mm -hmm. they're fucked. I mean, it's just really difficult place to be in. <laughs> so, so most men don't know how to ask. I'm talking in, in heterosexual terms here. Um, most men don't know how to ask a woman what they want. And, and if they do, most women don't know how to tell them. Because as girls, we were taught you're not supposed to want it. You're not supposed to know what you want. And if you do know what you want, you sure as hell aren't supposed to say it. And you're supposed to, your, your sexual pleasure is supposed to derive from his. As long as he gets off, then that's what counts. Um, you know, our job as, as girls and women is to be, is to attract, but also to keep the gatekeeping, you know, like, well, you can, you can only, you can't do that. You can do this. Mm -hmm. And supposed to say no, even if we'd rather say yes. And at the, we're also supposed to say yes, even though we'd rather say no. We're also fucked. Like mm -hmm. it, it's amazing that anything happens at all. <laughs> um, but um, so so gender is part of how you're raised, and how mm -hmm. you're raised is going to be a factor in how easy it is to find. A very common dynamic in, in heterosexual couples is the man is doing all the stuff. 
insects. Man's doing all the stuff because that's what he saw in the video. And this is the way it's supposed to be. And I hope she likes it. And, you know, so I'm doing, I'm giving because I'm giving all, I'm doing all the work. And you'll hear men say this, I'm doing all the work. Yeah. And the woman is letting him do what he wants. And she assumes he wants it because he didn't ask her what she wanted. And it's not something that's not really great for her, but must be good for him. So I'm going to, and she feels like she is giving because she's letting him do what he wants. Well, now both people feel like they're giving. Who's receiving here? Nobody. Exactly. In that dynamic, he feels like he's serving and yes. she feels like she's allowing. Yes. And nobody's really clear on who That's the right. pleasure is for or why these specific acts are happening. Or even and if they're enjoyable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And this is a big um, fundamental reason for the orgasm gap in heterosexual mm -hmm. sex yeah. because men and women are conditioned around sexuality so differently mm -hmm. that without a conscious exploration of what feels good and what do we both actually want there's a lot of performance that gets baked into oh, the yeah. expectations yeah absolutely i have yeah. so been there i don't yeah. care to ever go there again <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> I'm old enough. I don't have to. <laughs> oh, I hope that I, I want that for everyone, regardless of age. Um, well, thank you, uh, Betty. This was really insightful and so wonderful. Where can people reach you if they want to learn more about your work or if they want to work with you? Great. Thank you. Um, BettyMartin.org and the uh, WheelOfConsentBook.com is where you can get the book. And um, these days, I'm not taking new clients, but I'm working mostly with other practitioners to train and mentor them. And I do that through the schoolofconsent.org. And on my website, bettymartin.org and the schoolofconsent.org, both of those have full pages of free videos and free downloads. And there's a lot that you can get um, at no cost, uh, that's, that gives you a good place to start. Yeah. So many of your YouTube, uh, of your videos are on YouTube and, and they're yeah. really helpful. I yeah. send them to clients all the time. Um, and they serve as great fodder for conversation in our work therapeutically. Yeah, and also for people who want to show their partner and say, Hey, yeah. this is yeah. a, a different way to think than, yeah. than yeah. we've been thinking. Let's, let's yeah. check it out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again. I really you appreciate so your welcome. time. You're so welcome. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions, and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.